Hello and thanks for clicking, downloading, or however you got here. In case we haven't met, I'm Ancient Blogger and you can find me on Twitter at Ancient Blogger. I also have a website, ancientblogger.com, where there's all sorts of ancient history content, including articles, pictures, and links to my YouTube and Instagram. Right, now that's done, we can move on. I'll explain what this is all about and what you can expect to hear in each podcast. I've written this one and will be writing the future ones, there's eight episodes apparently, as soon as I can, which is a bit of a challenge, but I hope worth it. In terms of how I position this, well, I think it's best to consider this as a cluster of points which I find interesting that are raised or alluded to in each episode. I'm very wary of wandering into becoming comic book guy and simply picking up on every minor detail. Trying to assemble a clutch of myths and realise them in one continuous visual narrative isn't easy. Fall of a City isn't the retelling of the Iliad. Homer's Iliad only covers around 50 days and ends with the death of, well, uh, I'll leave the spoilers there. The point I'm trying to make is that from the outset, trying to convert such nebulous material into a TV format is going to be problematic. That said, I'm not giving Fall of a City a free pass, no sir. There were certainly some eye-rolling moments from last night. Paris using stirrups might be excused on the grounds of, well, come on. But to have someone use Diana, the Roman form of Artemis, is just really poor form. The first episode was about setting up the characters. Paris is depicted as a bit of a womaniser, and as we are now in a post-Game of Thrones world, that means buttocks and breasts at any opportunity. It wasn't just Paris's backside we got to see. His backstory, according to myth, was one which often makes an appearance. A son doomed to cause injury or harm to his parents, he was taken away and abandoned as a baby, only to be adopted by the herdsman charged with the duty and raised. As such, he joins the likes of Oedipus, Theseus and even Zeus. The scene I was most looking forward to was the judgement of Paris, whereby Paris has to choose between Aphrodite, Athena and Hera as to who was the fairest. This is possibly one of the worst stitch-up jobs in myth. Whoever Paris chooses, he's made an enemy of two very powerful goddesses, which is never a good start to any day. The depictions of this, which stick with me, are mainly from Renaissance paintings, which often feature a somewhat bucolic scene with nice open spaces. So it was quite refreshing for the judgment to have more of a solemn, almost claustrophobic tone to it. I did think that the gravity of the event wasn't fully clear, and thus may have been a bit lost on those watching it. Sure, Paris has no idea of the consequences, but these are gods he's dealing with, so you might expect him to be a bit intimidated and scared by it all. As for the three goddesses, I spent a short while working out who was who. Hera did have some peacock feathers on her attire, but Athena had practically nothing that I could see as marking her as being Athena. She just looked a bit angry. Aphrodite looked pretty similar to Botticelli's depiction of her. Hermes was present and name-checked, and I wasn't sure who the other character was, and I've, I've since heard that it was probably Zeus. At this point, we think Aphrodite is going to name-drop Helen, except she doesn't, and this seems to be a clear divergence from the myth. Liz Gloyne and Tony Keane tweeted something really insightful which I thought worth mentioning. It might be that Helen was deliberately not cited as the most beautiful world, woman in the world because of the inherent problem in doing so in staging the myth on TV. In short, everyone's idea of beauty is different. This harks back to an earlier point I made about the challenges involved in transferring myth to the screen. If this story is told to you, then you might imagine what Helen might look like. A room with ten people in it will probably have ten different visions of Helen in their minds, if told as a story. Oral storytelling has this luxury. You can use the person you are telling the story to to help paint the scene. TV, on the other hand, demands clarity. 
it tells you and informs you what a person from history looked like, sounded like, etc, etc. And that, I think that's always a big problem it has to manage. This aside, the judgement scene left me a tad underwhelmed, mainly because the staging of it promised something different, but the actual content of it lacked the clarity and the importance which I think it really needs. Next up we have a recognition scene. After a scrap with Hector, Paris is identified as Priam's son from a mark on his chest. Those of you familiar with the Odyssey will remember that Odysseus was also recognised by a scar, and one myth I read stated that Paris was identified from a rattle which had been left in his hands as a baby, and which the herdsman presented to Priam, and if ever there was the equivalent of being dropped outside the school gates by your mum who then kisses you on the cheek in front of your mates, this was it. I would have gone with a scar every day. Now I'm going to make my pick and say Cassandra is the one to watch out for. How do you handle a character who predicts the future but no one listens to? It seems that Cassandra is allowed visions, but somehow unable to communicate them. And these visions are the very, very big ones, not it's going to rain tomorrow, or you might come down with a cold. I've always thought Cassandra was a fascinating character, so I'd really be interested to see more of her and how she's developed and used in the narrative. Only a few more comments, and they revolve around the meeting of Paris and Helen. To start with, Helen's attire attracted a fair bit of consternation on Twitter. To say that it fusters from feathers would be part right, as bird punnery and related gifs or gifs abounded. If we were talking puns, then perhaps Prime was hoping that Paris would return with some just for Menelaus to help with his moustache and beard combo. The deputation to Sparta followed the same reasoning in the film Troy. Yet according to myth, Paris met Menelaus when Menelaus had visited Troy, and asked him if he asked him if he could pop over and be purified, as he accidentally killed Antheus, the son of Antinor one of Prime's counsellors with a toy sword, as you do. The meeting between Helen and Paris was largely forgettable once you removed the feathered outfits. At one point, I did see an ostrich or an emu, which must have caused some embarrassment as one of the gifts Paris brought with him was ostrich eggs. Imagine it, you think this is exotic and then see what looks like an ostrich wandering around outside. There's also an Afghan hound, by the way, for all you dog lovers. Now, if you can confirm the emu ostrich conundrum, I'd be grateful, and I'll certainly give you a shout out in the next Troy podcast. The final scene, we see Paris leaving with a large crate peppered with air holes. Perhaps it's a red herring, but as a cliffhanger, it wasn't exactly subtle. It was about as subtle as, I don't know, a large wooden animal left outside some gates. Uh, it could also or always be the crate with an emu or ostrich in it, but then it'd have to be uh, vertical rather than horizontal. But uh, perhaps I'm getting a bit obsessed by all of that. And there we have it. In a completely non-scientific straw poll, I'd say this reception on Twitter wasn't exactly favourable. People either hated it or want to see how it develops because they can't believe it's really this bad. Now, I thought it was a tough ask. There's a lot of characters to introduce, but at points, the show seemed to be its own worst enemy. And I hope it gets better, partially because I can't rely on my mum being the only person to listen to this podcast. So I'll be tuning in next week and following the hashtag TroyFallOfACity with my @AncientBlogger Twitter account. If you have thoughts, ideas or any feedback, then tweet me and I'll happily include them in next week's podcast. Perhaps I'll see you on the hashtag chat. Till then, take care and keep safe. Infamy! Infamy! They've all got it in for me!